0: Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way on the trip to the drive through here in Starkville over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse or at Brewpolo over there in Tupelo. Kind of weird if Brewpolo was in Greenville or something. And wherever you live in our great state, if you do live in Greenville, it doesn't matter. You can get Strange Brew Coffee House right to your door. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and place your order, and they will ship coffee right to you no matter what kind of coffee machine is sitting on your kitchen counter they've got you covered at strange brew coffee house and that always includes the awesome new k-cups college corner and collegecornerstore.com that's mississippi's biggest and best selection of maroon and white merchandise whatever you're looking for that's for mississippi state they've got it at college corner this baseball season the weather's about to heat up i'm sorry about the yeah about to heat up just a little bit time to start you know maybe a new polo new t-shirt definitely need a new hat Get it at College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Speaking of the weather heating up, that means you're going to want to be sitting outside to dine when you come to Starkville. Well, the biggest and best patio in Starkville is sitting there at Humble Taco. So head on in, grab a handcrafted margarita, some chips and salsa, and some tacos that you can't get anywhere else. It is Taco Tuesday here, but every day it's Taco Tuesday at... Humble Taco because they've got the best tacos in town sitting there on University Drive. When you're looking for an easy decision for lunch, make it Firehouse Subs. And you can make it a good decision for you because when you use the Firehouse Subs app, you're going to pile up reward points. So check out the menu, place your order. You're in, out in a quick amount of time. And like I said, those reward points come quickly when you use the Firehouse Subs app. Locations are in Startville and Columbus, Tupelo and Oxford, Flowood and Madison, that's firehouse subs. Robbie Falk, let's talk a little baseball sort of show, and then we'll do our positional talk for football uh, in the second half. But it's kind of funny, sort of, sort of the same thing, positional battles. Here we are two weeks into the season, and, and Robbie, there's, there's still, some, uh, still some decisions to be made within this lineup, specifically in the middle infield and out there in, in right field. Let's start there in right field because that was one where – I think we all assumed that Kellum Clark was going to nail that spot down and be a hot hitter earlier in the season, and it just has not been that way for him. This one's pretty clear, though. If Clark starts hitting, he's the guy there. The question is going to be,
1: when is he going to start hitting? Yeah, and right now he's not, and that's, that's an issue. I mean, you can't have a guy in the lineup that's 0 for his last 15. Yeah. And uh, guys go through slumps, and this isn't uncommon to have an 0 for 15 stretch. But Kellum's kind of been in the slump since last summer. He he didn't have a good summer. He didn't really have a good fall. He didn't really have a good spring. So I don't really know what's going on, but he can't seem to get out of this um, to 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 kind of get back on track. And we talked about this a little bit on Monday, or for Monday's show, that he's, he's a very important piece for Mississippi State. There's not that many guys on this roster that has the raw power that he has. And if he gets a hold of a baseball, you know it's 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 liable to take out the duty noble sign in right field. I mean, it's he he's got he's got some unnatural ability, and he's he seems to be improved. I think in the outfield as well. So you need him to get it together, but you can't just have that hole in the lineup right there. I like what I've seen so far from Drew McGowan. I think he's been solid when he's been given his opportunity, and I, that's a guy that is really hungry. You know last year he was the starting outfielder for the first game of the season, yeah, he was your opening day starter, and he had to he didn't even get to dress out in Omaha. He was there, but he watched his team win a national championship, so that guy has a lot more hunger, I think than just about anybody on this roster just because of that and when he's been in the ball game this year, he's taken advantage he has three hits and five at bats. So uh, that's a guy that could factor in. Aaron Downs played right field in his first game back um, on Sunday, had two hits. So Kellum Clark has a lot of pressure on him now to perform or he's going to be on the bench regularly because there's guys there that can replace him. And that's a good thing for Mississippi State that you're not having to completely rely on on Kellum Clark to just figure it out. You have some guys that can kind of keep you afloat while Kellum is struggling. It's
0: interesting how different these two players are, too. You're talking about, you know, when we talk about the middle infield in just a second, those are also sort of similar guys, but not here. You know, Kellum Clark, this big beast of a power hitter. McGowan, I think, has a little pop. He hit a home run in Texas, I want to say, a season ago. But obviously, he's, you know, more of a, he's got some speed. He's going to hit the contact. Obviously, state wants Kellum Clark to be the guy there. He's the guy with the highest ceiling. He's the guy that you know is a potential first-round pick if he starts putting things together. But like you said, this slump—this isn't just a start of the year thing. Like you said, it, it goes back to fall, goes back to even the summer after the College World Series. For some odd reason, he his it, it it's just not happening for him. You know how long are you? How long a leash can you give Kellen Clark? It feels like they're already starting to, you know, push back on this a little bit. They, you know he came off the bench a couple of times this weekend. You know, can you see a scenario by maybe this weekend where he, he's not even getting a start?
1: Yeah, I could see that. I, I think you just you you keep pushing him in there, whether it's with a start or late game substitution, just to see if he can get that big hit. Um, I, I don't know if you can play him three straight games and he goes 0 for 12. Um, I, you know, I don't know if that works for Mississippi State. I, I think they're going to give him two or three at-bats um, every game or every other game and, and see if he can get out of it. But, I mean, right now he's the only guy that's hit that doesn't have a hit this year. That's, that's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, everybody that is coming to the ball game has gotten a hit. Well, Slate offered... Uh, has not but he's only had two at bats mm-hmm. you know braylon skidder has a couple of hits and that's a guy that's really struggled at the plate so right now it's it, it's you know it's in his head it, it's something that happens to a lot of college baseball players and even mlb players and players on any level i mean this is a game of of failure your 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 best hitters are batting uh you know hit getting hits 32 percent of the time you know i mean it's 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 not a game that has a lot of success at the plate, um, so uh, you know Brad cummins right now is hitting unworldly a uh, four fifty batting average through seven games, and that's under fifty percent uh, percentage. So uh, uh, Kellum Clark is gonna get it together at some point. It's just when does it happen? And yeah. I I don't think State will will just con- consistently start him if he's not getting hits. So I think there's options there. So then you switch over to the middle infield, and you've got these three guys who, who are
0: capable of playing all of the positions. I don't know if Jaeger can play short, but I'll, I'll make an assumption here. Uh, and I don't know that Forsyth can play second. I'll make an assumption there. I know Leggett can do both. Leggett can one.
1: play short. Jaeger Ye- played short at Mercer, so he okay. can, and he's and I think he's played short already once this year. Okay, um, at some point, so he he can handle it. Must have missed that, but
0: I'll take your word for
1: it. Um, so you've
0: got these three guys. Leggett's been the only one that's hit early in the season. He didn't have a great weekend last weekend, but he's still hitting 250. Which we've said many times, those two middle infield spots, you know, they're so important defensively that if you're hitting 250, it's fine. You know, when you get a guy playing second base and hitting like Justin Foskey or a guy hitting like Jordan Westberg at short, that's just a plus. That's just a huge bonus to your baseball team. Normally, those guys are going to be you know 250 260 hitters. That are good defensively, maybe a little pop, but you know, a Foscu is a freak of nature. That's why he went in the first round of the MLB draft. Same with Jordan Westberg. Do you think let's start with Leggett? Do you think he can continue to hit at the clip? And again, I'm not saying he has to be at 500 like he was coming into the weekend, but he's at 250 now. Can he stay around that? I think he's
1: seeing the ball really well. I think he'll be somewhere around 250, 260 as like consistently. That that seems about right for me. The thing I like about Leggett is he battles at the plate. He's going to battle a pitch count. He's not going to strike out nearly as much. He has three strikeouts and 16 at-bats. That's, that's not terrible. Um, so he's, he's going to battle at the plate. He's more than likely going to put the ball in play. And that's what I like about, about him. He's not going to be one of your leading hitters. I don't think he's going to be a leading batting average guy from Mississippi State but I think he's going to be better at the plate than Forsyth. Um, And it it remains to be seen on Jaeger. He was a great hitter at Mercer, so I'm just going to assume that at some point he's going to get it together. You know, Scotty DeBrule really struggled when he first got to to Mississippi State, kind of figuring out. And, you know, it's it's not so much SEC uh, pitching that they've seen so far, um, but they've still seen – you know, they saw some good pitchers against Long Beach. Uh, it's just been, for whatever reason, an adjustment for Yeager this time around. Yeah. Um, and, and it was kind of the same thing for DeBruy. Just two hits for Yeager so far. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what, the, what the deal is. I, don't, I can't really pinpoint what his issue is right now. But I think it's kind of the same thing that Chris Lamonis talked about with the team is just the you know, the fastball, this team's really struggled with it. And it's hard to believe that they have because I look at this lineup and I see a lot of players that in the past have been really good on a fastball and that have struggled with spin. So it's kind of confusing right now that Mississippi State's not able to pick up an eighty seven, eighty eight mile an hour fastball. But that's been the case. Forsythe
0: is the most interesting guy to me. I think he's good defensively, but you know he struggled at the plate mightily a season ago, and this year has not gotten off to a very good start uh, at all in, in there. Again, I think everybody would concede he's the best defensive shortstop, but you've said this many times. He's not so much better defensively than everybody else that you can just stick him in the lineup and say, well, we were, we, you know, I know he's hitting 180, but we we need his defense out there. Can Forsythe get it going? You think?
1: It, it remains to be seen. I mean, we we just haven't seen enough from him to suggest that he can. You know, last year he wasn't a good hitter. This year he's two for thirteen. Um, you know, he he had a good end of the season in Omaha, but he's not a guy that's gonna that's gonna provide any pop. Um, you know, he hasn't had a ton of at bats where you say, you know, that was a really good battle at the plate. You know, I feel like Leggett is just the better overall hitter out of the two. And unless Tanner Leggett just starts to really struggle in the field and is is just not getting it done at all at the plate, I think that you just roll with Tanner Leggett. And I, I don't I don't like, you know, I Jaeger's really struggled right now, but I don't like putting Forsyth and Leggett in the lineup at the same time either, okay because I, th- I just don't think I, th- I think that the ability is there for Jaeger to do something at some point, you know I, I think he can hit a home run, he could drive one out of the yard, he can put one in the gap he hasn't shown a whole lot yet, but um you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but i don't like I don't like Leggett and Forsyth in the lineup in the same day, and they did that I think once, interesting. last interesting I know week. they
0: did it on Saturday, yeah. That's interesting to hear you say that because I, I mean, I think if if Leggett gets to hitting, you know, you you're fine with Forsyth there, no matter what, or you're you're fine, you're fine with you know, flopping it around and letting Jaeger hit and and have Leggett at it short. It's it just about w- one of them has to get going. You know, Leggett started out strong, didn't have a great weekend, needs to bounce back this weekend. If he does that, everything's fine. And then Forsyth and Jaeger, it's just going to be whoever figures it out quicker. Here, I think. I agree with you that I think Jaeger has the better chance to do that because, you know, he's shown he can hit pitching in the past. He's, we know he's got more pop in his bat than does Forsythe. Forsythe could end up being the, the odd man out, which is interesting when you think about you know, how he good he was in Omaha in terms of especially defensively. So, and these are the good problems to have, though. You have some good, talented players here. They just haven't gotten off to a great start. But I think that, you know, I'll be really surprised by the end of the year if all these guys aren't aren't, you know, playing pretty well. This is what, you know, this is the decisions you pay Chris Limonis big money to make. So is there any other, you know, everything else seems pretty, pretty locked in at this point. The only other question becomes, you know, you mentioned a guy like Slate Alford. Uh, you mentioned Aaron, you know, we talked about Aaron Downs a little bit yesterday on the show. You know, where, where are those guys going to find out? Is Downs an out, a guy who could possibly, you know, factor in at right field? Uh, is he, you know, could Slate Alford, if he ever, you know, shows off that, that huge potential at the plate? Is he a guy that, you know, could push Hunter Hines at DH? I think Hines is almost to the point where he's sort of locked in as an everyday guy. Are there any other players we need to talk about in this situation?
1: Down, Downs is really interesting. I, I, you know, that could be a guy that I know he's played some infield. He could be a guy that ends up in the infield somewhere if you need him. Uh, at right field, definitely. He's, he's kind of a versatile guy. And if he's hitting the ball and has the, the plate appearances like he did on Sunday – it's going to be tough to keep him off the field. And I feel like he would have, been, would have been playing earlier had he not had to sit. He had to sit the first six, seven games of the year, whatever it was. Um, so I, I think he would have seen some more time. But you're kind of seeing, I mean, big-bodied guy can drive it out, can really – can it really has a good approach at the plate. I liked how he sent the ball up the middle. I always love when guys just go, just go yes. right up the middle with the yes. ball. I mean, and that, that's a really impressive approach by freshman. And Hunter Hines has a, a similar approach, uh, so I was really impressed with that. He did it twice yesterday on both of his hits. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough to keep it, the guys that that hit the best are going to be in the game. Yes. That's th- this year is is going to be different than it was last year because I just don't think that Mississippi State's going to have the pitching that it did last season. Yes, they're going to need the offense to to get going in games. So they're going to have the nine best hitters that they can get out there. I don't think the defense is going to be as big of a worry for Mississippi State this year as it was last year. They're going to need the nine best players that they can get hitting every single day. And if you're hitting, you're going to be in the game. If Drew McGowan's hitting, he's going to be in the game over uh, Kellum Clark. If if R.J. Aker can't hit, he's going to be on the bench. I mean, it's, it's going to be as simple as that. The guys that can hit will play.
0: I agree. I agree 100%. So. Well, it'd be interesting to see, you know, this game against these these two midweek games because they're so different. Grambling is a game sort of like last week with Pine Bluff; you would expect to win and win comfortably. Southern Miss is a real challenge, so you know you probably have more of a weekend feel to that game in terms of you know your starting lineup. The guys you see on Wednesday will probably be the guys you see Friday, Saturday, Sunday, tomorrow or today. I guess as you're listening, uh, you, you could definitely see some new faces in the starting lineup just to give those guys you know a little rest and to give. Know, some younger players a chance against a team you should be able to handle uh, pretty easily. Let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef is what's for dinner. Whatever you're thinking about cooking for your family, add beef. Even if you're cooking chicken, just add beef. Beef and chicken, cow and chicken, they go great together.
1: A natural a beef and dairy. chicken fajita sounds amazing right now. Robbie Falk just set you
0: up right there. Uh, humble, taco, humble taco. Humble taco. This told y'all what to do. So next time you're at the grocery store, put some beef in the shopping cart. Not only are you treating your family to a delicious and nutritious meal, you're helping out 15,000 of your fellow Mississippians, our beef producers here in the Magnolia State. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats over in the heart of the Cotton District. That's the place to find smoked southern soul food. So many of you guys are, are nice enough to tweet at us and let us know when you're hitting up Two Brothers, feel free to do that because we like to see not only what you're uh, that you're heading there, but let's like see what you're eating as well. Maybe we'll get some ideas as too because the, the menu is so big. I haven't eaten everything on it. Maybe I should try something different the next time I'm there. They got a lot of great stuff. It's not just barbecue. It's smoked Southern soul food. It's in the heart of the Cotton District. It's Two Brothers Smoked Meats. They make it really simple at Advantage Business Systems. They give you great products and great service. And I know everybody promises that, but not like Advantage Business Systems does. Not everybody has the selection that they do on products, from copiers and printers to computers and software to mailing and information systems. They've got it all. And nobody is doing the service the way they do. Not in the technology business. Everybody else gives you a 1-800 number, and you know maybe their, their technician lives a state over, and they can be there in a couple of days or maybe even a week before they can fix your problem. Now here at Advantage Business Systems, it's a 601 number and it's, we're going to fix you up today and we're going to get it done quickly. And you're going to talk to a person who lives here in Mississippi. You can't beat that kind of service. That's why I say services like they're your next door neighbors. They are, they are here in Mississippi, just like you. Number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Let's talk running backs, Robbie Falk. Let's talk Mississippi State running backs, the forgotten men, right? The guys that, you know, not seeing as much of the ball as any other running back in the country. Although last year, you know, Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks, they definitely ran more in year two than year three. You know, if I, I, don't, I don't know the percentage off the top of my head. I just know what I saw. And you had some games where those guys actually, you know, looked good running the football. And that's, you know, a big step forward. Mississippi State and I think it can continue to be do you think we could see a percentage increase in rushing this season from last season like we saw from year one to year two
1: could be I think they did go to it a little more last season and I I think a lot of that was just comfortability and the the scheme and also these guys being a year older but I mean Mark's had over 30 more carries than he did in year one and Dylan Johnson had uh, over thirty as well. So both of those guys um, really—they've started to trust in them a little more, I think, offensively. And also, I, I just think that the the comfortability up front too helped from the offensive line. And and that I think the the latter part of the season last or two years ago, when they started to see some success against Missouri, and they ran the football, I think, a little bit against Tulsa. When they saw that to really work, I, I think that. Michael Leach and company started to use it, utilize it a little bit more. But this is still not going to be a team that's going to run the football a whole lot. Right. I think uh, – did, didn't we have, like, some kind of conversation, like, whether or not, the, you know, Mississippi State could have a couple of 500-yard rushers or something we like did. that? We did. They almost did. They almost you know, did. Dylan, Dylan Johnson at 45, Chacuavis Marks at 416. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, getting to 1,000 yards rushing on the year as a team would be a good goal. Mm-hmm. They had 821 last year. Yeah. I think 1,000 yards rushing to kind of offset the passing and just to show, we, we've said so many times, just show you're capable of running the football could go a long way. And I think the team takes another step forward. I, I think this year they will have 1,000 yards rushing as a team. Right. I, think th- I think they will go um, – go a little more with the run, that 483 the year before, which they played a couple less games. But uh, I, I think that they're going to show a little more confidence in those running backs this year, especially with Jason Washington, a known running backs guy. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a second. Here's one key thing to remember,
0: by the way. Those guys, when you look at that 821 number, and what MSU doesn't do on its, on its uh, stats page, Will Rogers' numbers are not in there. They're not showing you, them to you, but they are in there. And it, he had, you know, negative rushing on the year because they count sacks as rushing yards, which is something I've never understood, but it is what it is. Johnson and Marks combined for one, zero, 901 yards rushing last year. So very close to 1,000 yards, as, as you were saying. I think they'll get over that this year, especially when you add some new faces to the mix. The thing that, that bothers me is, you know, Johnson, okay, 5.4 yards per carry. Great. Marks needs to come up a little bit, especially when he has the reputation as being the explosive, more explosive of the two, 3.9 yards per carry. You'd like to add another yard per carry to that state average, three yards per carry. Again, that number is skewed because of Will Rogers and, and his sacks, but you'd like to be closer to four yards per carry. If you're Mississippi state. Um, I like Johnson and Mark, so I think they're a good duo. I think they fit what Mississippi State wants to do. They're obviously very good out of the backfield catching the football. They combined last year for 148 catches for almost 1,000 yards again. So between these two guys, you got basically 2,000 yards, all purpose. That's fantastic. That's pretty good. If you could add another 3, 400 yards rushing and another I oh, sorry, I say 2, 300 yards rushing, and another 2, 300 yards receiving. I mean that's as good a duo as far in terms of all-purpose yards as anybody uh, in the country is going to be. So that's that's going to be something to watch this year. The other thing to watch for me are the two new faces: Simeon Price, Contravian Hargrove. We debated about them last year when, when when you know when you saw guys like JJ Jernigan and Omni Wells getting carries. They didn't see the field last year, or if they did, it was only you know in terms of being able to get redshirted and playing special teams. Can they add anything to this rushing attack this year? Specifically, Hargrove, who was a four-star out of a uh, out of high school and has a lot of high, had a little bit of hype about him. Do you think that either one of them can make even a, a, you know, a medium-sized impact this year?
1: I think they need to. You, you need to see Hardgrove get in there, especially you. <laughs> you need to see him. Brian Haydad needs to see him in it's there. true. Because he's a scholarship guy. But, uh, you know, all jokes aside, yeah, that guy is in his second year and should be locking down that third spot. Over walk-ons, mm-hmm. that is something that you and I will not disagree about. I agree. In um, year two, he should be getting on the field, and I think he's a really talented guy. And that's a guy that if he gets in the open field, he's going to be tough. Um, he's he's got some uh, he's got some really good speed, a track guy. He, he seems to recover from a uh, knee injury, and this is a guy that I feel like could be a steal for Mississippi State. Um, but you need him to start getting those reps because. Marks and Johnson are about to be juniors. Then they're going to be seniors. You need that next guy in line, that guy that has experience and that can step right in after those guys. I'm not expecting Hargrave uh, to, to overcome either one of those guys, Mm -hmm. but I I think that he is a, a guy that could factor in and get a a lot more rushes that, you know, JJ Jernigan and those guys were getting uh, last year. So I just I think Mississippi State is in really good shape at running back. I thought Dylan Johnson and Marks took a huge step forward. Uh, the numbers were were much better, but I think they were even better than the numbers state. Just because it, it seemed like they were more elusive, it seemed like they were breaking that first tackle, something that wasn't happening. You know, especially Marks. He was always getting popped on that, you know, that first hit, and he wasn't able to get past it. He seemed to be a more elusive back last year, still taking some brutal hits, by yeah. the way. But those are two. That's a that is a great one-two punch. I want to see those guys take, you know, a, a few less hits because they took some punishment last year. Last year, and I don't know how they survived the season because they were uh, they were taking punishment all season long and. It was I mean, definitely better looked, than the year before, though. I thought yeah, they was a much better job. Of but I mean, getting, just look, The touches ahead. that they had, Will Rogers and LaQuinson Sharp are the only two people that touched the football more than they did. Yeah. And That's they touched much. it every play. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, and State did a much better job of getting the ball out early to Johnson and Marks. So many times last year they would they would scan the field for a couple seconds and then check down and by that time two linebackers are already making their way over. You saw them getting them the ball, getting the ball in stride, getting the ball with their hips already turned downfield. That was a huge plus for Mississippi State, and they needed to be even more so uh, in 2021. I think the, the the evolution of Will Rogers connects to these guys as well. You know, as he gets better, he's going to start finding those guys. I, I tell you guys, this guys, I tell you this a lot, and. I want to say it again. If you watch a Mississippi State game, watch the backs out of the backfield when the ball is snapped. If Rodgers went to them first, they would be averaging 10 yards a catch. They're, they're always open. It's just that he takes a couple of seconds, which he should, to go through his progressions, and then he comes back to the check down, and by that time it's starting to get covered up. If he would just, you know, one look and then check down, I'm telling you those guys would have some big gains. Uh, we'll see, we'll see if that happens this year. We didn't talk much about Simeon Price, and this is a guy who is recruited out of high school. Everybody thought he was going to be a receiver, and then they said, "No, he's going to be a running back in this class." I, I I've heard that people are high on him, but what do we what should we expect from him this year as possibly the fourth running back here? I feel like we're about to have a Chris Walker discussion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times has the fourth running back gotten into? the right. ball game for Mississippi State the last couple of years. I, I'm not expecting him to make a huge impact next year. And um, I, I think Paul actually reported um, this morning that uh, Simeon Price was going to be limited in the spring, too, uh, because he had surgery. So that's not going to help his, his case to get on the field uh, at all. But really talented guy. We know he comes from some really good bloodlines. Uh, from a former NFL player so I'm not expecting a whole lot of him out of him this year but I've you know I've been proven wrong a lot of times and uh, a lot of players have kind of come out of nowhere so you know you never really know he's got he's definitely got the talent to get out there yeah I, I would give Hargrove the edge on that third spot for sure
0: this is where if you're Mike Leach and I know people are gonna be like well he doesn't You got to be creative. You got to find a way. I think that you know some two back sets work for Mississippi State because those guys are such good pass catchers. Or you can and you can bring Marks and Johnson or or any of these guys out of the backfield in motion and put them out there as a wide receiver and give yourself some more options. So I'm interested to see. And I won't even get into the discussion that we had last fall about Tulu Griffin. But (laughs) I'm interested to see if, if if Mike Leach can. You know, this is the whole Mike Leach argument, right? That it's not. 1998 anymore it's not 2005 anymore and the, the old air raid needs some tweaking uh, this is the area where it needs tweaking so we'll see if there's a willingness to do that or if we're just going to go out there and see the same thing over and over again which was successful at times last year we'll see if it can be as successful or more successful without tweaking you know and if mike leach is going to end up ultimately being right about things or if he's going to have to say look if we want to win we're going to you know do this or if he's going to say well, I'm not going to change, and you know, you sort of stay where you are. So, we'll I, I think that's probably going to be the answer, Brian. You think it's C? Yeah. Well, well then we'll see what that brings. Because <laughs> you know, I think I think this team has a reasonable chance to win eight games this year, and if things go really well, they could possibly get to nine. But they've got you know they've got to be more efficient offensively, defensively. We'll talk about that in a few weeks, but they've got to be more efficient. They got to be able to, you know, take their chances a little bit more, spread the field a little, stretch the field, I guess I should say, a little bit more. We'll see how all of that goes. So, uh, real quick on Twitter here, Hugh Jackson basically just admitted to tax fraud. So that's exciting. <laughs> see this.
1: I, I, I saw a little bit of it, but I don't really know the backstory. So,
0: Hugh Jackson, head coach at Grambling, they hired Art Bryles. Today, the Hugh Jackson Foundation, or whatever it is, releases a statement that's terrible. And at the end of the statement says, perhaps we shouldn't bring up what happened at Baylor so the victims won't feel bad about it. Like, what? Whatever. Uh, but then somebody from ESPN does some research and is like, the Hugh Jackson Foundation took in $150,000 worth of donations last year, and $115,000 of that went to the one person, their sole employee. They did $4,000. So then the, the Hugh Jackson re- responds with what you're not saying is that Hugh Jackson was the largest do- donor to his foundation. If you're donating money to your own foundation,
1: that's so, code
0: for tax evasion.
1: To, to write it off as taxes, as, as a gift yes. or whatever. And the other oh guy's like, I donate God. my whole salary back to the foundation. What? And the foundation's supposed to be like the PR, you know. Yeah, it's supposed to be like doing community (laughs) work and stuff. But it's it's one thing for like a a single person, like representing themselves, to tweet something. For a foundation to tweet a statement like that, it's incredible. Let's hire a let's hire a PR professional, guys. Hire a
0: lawyer. Forgot that their lawyers must be crapping bricks right now. (laughs) Anyway. All right, so if you got any questions about tax evasion or p- public relations or dumb coaching hires, Robbie and I are here for you. That's what tomorrow is. It's the rumblings. Hit us up with your questions. We'll be happy to answer them. Uh, we'll talk more baseball later in the week. We've obviously got big games to talk about and uh, a lot more uh, as we go along. So, for Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on so, Super Talk. I you think you're untouchable. Word life. This is basic thug-anomics. This is basic basic thug-anomics. Word life. I'm untouchable, but I'm forcing you to feel me. Word life. This is basic basic thug-anomics.
1: Thug-anomics. Word life.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.